You are listening to the After the Stork podcast, Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert, Episode 3, What is Sleep Training? In this episode, I define the term sleep training used within this stork community and what sleep training entails. Welcome to the After the Stork podcast, Infant and Toddler Sleep with Megan Robert. That's me, creator and host. If you have an infant or toddler and sleep is a priority for your family, if you want to create healthy sleep habits and a strong and safe sleep foundation for your little one, if you desire a predictable schedule that permits time for things like self-care, date nights, and planned outings, if you need your bed back or want your child sleeping in their own sleep space and desire to follow safe sleep guidelines, if you crave an overall well-rested and thriving family, well, you've come to the right place. As an infant and toddler sleep consultant, I built this podcast to bring you all things infant and toddler sleep and sleep training so that you can have the confidence in making informed decisions that are best for your family when it comes to your child's sleep. Your child is worth it. Your family is worth it. And moms, dads, you are worth it. Now let's dive in. Over the years, I have found that it is extremely important to define common terms that are used within a community, you know, to make sure that everyone is on the same page when having conversation. We all have our own paradigms of what words mean, whether it be from our upbringing, our social circle, books we have read, whatever the case may be. And these paradigms, they can be molded and shifted. This was something that I realized for the first time when I was on a trip with my now husband. He was he was my boyfriend at the time, Um, but we were we were taking a three hour trip and we were going to be staying with some friends of his for the weekend so that we could play volleyball. And on the way there, we were having a discussion. I don't recall what the discussion was about, but when we got there, he told his friends that we were having an argument. Immediately, I got defensive, like, what? We were not having an argument. No one was raising their voices. I didn't know his friends very well, so I felt like it gave me a bad impression or gave them a bad impression. And we came to discover, when we dove into this topic more, that he and I both have different views of the term argument. I realized that he didn't think argument was a negative word, and he re- he understood that I saw argument as a negative, and generally it resulted in someone raising their voice and people being upset. But the discussion that we were having was more of a a friendly debate. It was just, you know, presenting our views on something and then discussing it. And for him, I learned that the word discussion was a negative for him. Now, I'm sure for him, me thinking that argument was a negative term blew his mind. And then finding out that the word discussion was bad for him blew my mind. But as we talked about it, I learned that discussion was negative for him because when his parents wanted to talk to him about something that, you know, as a kid, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, they would say, Josh, let's have a discussion. Because of that, we decided we need to come up with a term to use for that type of conversation. So we decided that we were going to come up with a different term that represented a friendly debate. And we decided that we would call that a proscussion. So like discussion, but it's a pro. So what does it have to do with the topic today? Well, like I said, 
I find that it is really beneficial to define what a term means when it is commonly used within a community. And one of the common terms that we are going to use within this community is the term sleep training. As you probably know, not everybody views that term in a positive way. But I want to change the way that we view that word or the, those words. I want to create a mindset shift for those who view the word sleep training as a negative, at least within this, this community, this stork community. Parents are often shamed if they're wanting to sleep train their children. Um, it can be confusing about what to do with sleep training because you hear contradicting information. And parents often talk with other professionals who have their own views on the term sleep training. When you think of the term sleep training, what do you think of? For some, it means choosing some kind of sleep training method. Like that's it. Just choosing how you're going to respond to your child. For others, they immediately think of cry it out or CIO as you might see it in some Facebook groups. For some, it means getting a baby to sleep through the night which is a whole other topic on how do you define a certain word. But let's stick to the term sleep training for now. Some people associate sleep training as a step that parents just need to take, you know, if a child is not sleeping well, just like going to the doctor for an ear infection. Some people associate it as a positive thing, and some people think it is a negative and unnecessary act. But I would bet that few people think of sleep training like an infant and toddler sleep consultant does. So I want to explain to you how I define sleep training and what it entails so that we can share the same paradigm when using the term sleep training within this stork community space. Hint, it involves much more than just choosing a method. It doesn't have to be cried out and you do not have to get rid of night feedings or have your baby sleeping through the night. So first, the definition, sleep training is the intentional act of helping a child build a strong sleep foundation in order to achieve healthy sleep. Let me repeat that. Sleep training here in this stork community, when I refer to it, I am referring to the intentional act of helping a child build a strong sleep foundation in order to achieve healthy sleep. I discussed what healthy sleep means back in episode two. If you haven't yet listened to it, I would suggest going back to that episode at some point to get familiar with what we mean by healthy sleep and the stork community. I will include the link in the show notes. Second, what does sleep training entail? While sleep training often involves choosing a method or some level of involvement as a parent to help your child get better rest, sleep training actually involves much more than that. Successful sleep training, that is. When it comes to sleep training, I evaluate five different components for each child. I refer to these five components as Ezra Plus. That's an acronym with a plus sign. I will be diving into each one of those components over time with future episodes, but here's a brief overview of each. The E of Ezra Plus is for sleep environment. We are talking about light, temperature, noises, the sleep space, and more. Here's a quick story to share that, that shows how impactful the sleep environment can be. I was working with a client who has an eight-month-old boy named August. I created a sleep plan for his parents based on our discussion during a consultation, and they began implementing that plan. 
With certain adjustments, his sleep began to improve, yet he still was needing some help at daycare with naps. Needing some help in the sense that his naps were still pretty short and we wanted to lengthen them. His AM nap was lasting about 25 to 30 minutes and the PM nap was lasting about an hour. Now this was just while he was at daycare. Naps had improved at home tremendously. So I began evaluating and brainstorming what are some adjustments that need to be made at daycare. Schedule looked great. He was falling asleep on his own in the crib. He was content upon waking. So I asked mom, I said, well, how dark is it actually at daycare? Because you see, sometimes when I tell someone to create a dark environment, they don't really think of pitch black. Like when I say dark, I mean, when you're in the room, can you see your hand? If you can, let's make it darker. So at daycare, light was still getting through the curtains. Okay, that's one thing we need to consider. Then I asked, what is noise like during naps? And the daycare provider had said that sometimes you could hear a little bit through the door and there were other kids there. This is an in-home daycare, by the way. So there were a couple other kids there and he might be getting distracted during nap time. Sometimes we have to get a little bit creative with the sleep environment. So I asked mom if she could ask the daycare provider, do you have a large closet that is well ventilated? The answer was yes. The daycare staff moved the crib into the closet and the moment that they adjusted the sleep environment to be pitch black, August's naps began to lengthen immediately. When mom reported this to me, she said, daycare just texted me and said they think moving August may have helped. She said he fell asleep at 8.45 and is still sleeping. He has never taken more than a 30-minute nap in the morning there. This was a message sent at 10.36 a.m. Making an adjustment to the environment helped to lengthen this boy's naps. Now, the S of Ezra Plus is for schedule. Is your child on an age-appropriate nap schedule? Is your child going to bed at an age-appropriate time? This is often one of the most impactful yet simple adjustments I see needed when working with families. Amelia, a six-month-old girl, was napping from 8 a.m. to 8.45, sometimes 9-ish, again starting at 10.30 and going until sometimes 11, sometimes 11.45, sometimes until noon, and then napping again around 3.30 to 4-ish. As you can see, her napping schedule is a little bit all over the place, and generally she got in one sleep cycle for each nap. Once we made an adjustment to her schedule, naps began to lengthen. AM naps started around 9 a.m., reaching an average of an hour and 15 minutes, and on some days, an hour and a half. The PM nap started around noon and started averaging about an hour and a half to two hours. And occasionally, she would need a 45-minute cat nap around 3.30 or 4, depending on the length of her PM nap. This little girl's sleep improved so much just by having a schedule adjustment. The third component of Ezra Plus is the R for routines, wake routines, sleep routines, patterns throughout the day, and daily interactions. Cece, an eight-month-old girl, had the falling routine prior to our time together. She would have a bath, and then she would get her pajamas put on, she would nurse, and then she'd be placed in her bed. When discussing this piece of the puzzle with Cece's parents, I discovered that the drying process of the bath time would get Cece all worked up. 
So we removed bath time from the bedtime routine and added some calm activities. Mom and dad found this to be an extremely helpful change. Since bath time caused her to get worked up, they moved it to another portion of the day that was not right before a time for sleep. The fourth element of Ezra Plus is A for ability. The ability for your child to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently. This is a learned skill. This is where we discuss different sleep training methods, or another way of putting it is the level of parental involvement. There are several options. The common association with sleep training, though, is cry it out. And while this is a legitimate option that works well for some children and families, it is but only one option. The level of involvement will depend on your child's age, your child's temperament, and your parenting preferences. And then the plus of Ezra Plus It's anything else that might need to be considered that could potentially be hindering sleep. For example, night feedings. A child waking a couple times for true feedings and going right back to sleep is one thing. But a child taking an hour for the onset of sleep and waking every hour to feed throughout the night is not always waking due to hunger. When this happens, we need to consider how you will help your child learn the ability to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently while providing night feedings if your baby still needs them and or if you still want them. I have a special episode on this topic coming up in the near future. Again, Ezra Plus. Environment, schedule, routines, ability to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently, and plus. When working with clients, I take all of these components into consideration. Some families are missing all of them. Some are only missing bits and pieces. Some families just need to fine-tune a few while others have some drastic adjustments to make. Together, we figure out a plan that is best for them and their child. So, if you have an infant or toddler who is struggling with sleep, Make sure you are not winging it by just choosing and implementing a sleep training method, as you might get frustrated by not seeing the results you would expect. This is often the case when parents come to me and say that they have tried everything. If a parent comes to me due to sleep struggles, they did not try everything. But as a parent, you are not expected to know what everything is. When trying to improve sleep, keep in mind that there are several areas that affect sleep. If one piece of the puzzle is missing, focusing on another piece is not necessarily going to optimize sleep or fix your child's sleep struggles. Like I said, sleep training is more than just choosing a method. Sure, some people get away with just that. However, that means they already had the puzzle pieces in place and just needed to give their child the opportunity to strengthen that skill to fall asleep and connect sleep cycles independently. If you are hoping to get your child to improve their sleep, I always suggest you create a sleep plan. Like I've mentioned in past episodes, creating a plan is one of the three key factors shared by families who meet their sleep goals. When creating it, evaluate each one of these areas that I have mentioned. As an easy reference, you can download a copy of the five components to consider in every infant and toddler sleep plan at afterthestorksleep.com forward slash sleep plan. I'll include that link in the show notes. Take time to create a solid plan for achieving healthy sleep because your child is worth it. Your family is worth it. And moms, dads, you are worth it. Thanks for tuning in to the After the Stork podcast. 
Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast. By doing all of those things, you can help me to reach more families in need of guidance with their little one's sleep. And if you don't already, follow me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle afterthestork.megan. That's afterthestork.megan. And if you desire support with your little one's sleep journey, you can reach out to me directly on either one of those platforms. I hope to see you there.